So my friends, when we started talking about celebrating blessings this month with our worship and chalice facilitator teams, it became quickly apparent to me that for some of you, the word blessing has no meaning or it has negative connotations of some superstitious ritual which imagines a higher power sanctifying something, right? I see some nods here. And even though we talked about this topic four or five years ago, many of you are new here and our memories are easy to let that go. So this word bears further exploration. Now, some of you may remember this joke that I shared with you where this, this guy who saves for 20 years to buy his dream car and he finally shells out a fortune for a brand new high horsepower Lamborghini. Now, recognizing the deeply felt significance of realizing his lifelong dream, he drives over to the nearby Catholic church and he knocks on the priest's door. And he says to the priest, Father, I was wondering whether you'd be willing to say a blessing on my Lamborghini. <laughs> Certainly, my son, replies the priest. But what's a Lamborghini? <laughs> oh, sorry to have troubled you, Father. I just have the feeling that you're not the right man for the job. So he drives over to a nearby synagogue and he repeats the question. Rabbi, I was wondering whether you'd be willing to say a blessing on my beautiful new Lamborghini. Certainly, replies the la rabbi. But what's a Lamborghini? Uh, gosh, rabbi, I guess maybe you're not the right person for this job either. So he drives to his local Unitarian Universalist congregation <laughs> and he finds the minister. Pastor, I was wondering whether you'd be willing to say a blessing on my Lamborghini. Certainly, replies the UU minister. What a fantastic car. I'd love to have one myself. But what's a blessing? <laughs> hmm. So what is a blessing in a Unitarian Universalist context? Now, traditionally, yes, in a religious context, someone in a higher authority, either a god, a guru, or a religious leader, bestows blessings on people or things. And blessing is a rite that has been used in one form or another by all major religions to bless food, babies, marriages, precious objects, lives, homes, activities, and to sanctify sacraments. But the word also means to bestow good of any kind. And that is how I wish to redefine it as something we Unitarian Universalists, theists, and non-theists alike can get behind. Are you up for that? Can you get behind that? To bestow good of any kind? Great. Blessing is such a beautiful, poetic, and unique word, isn't it? I mean, it can mean giving or being given a gift, something precious, something sacred. Or we can feel blessed by the good things in our lives, by wonderful situations and people that we're grateful for. Blessings don't have to be bestowed by a divine or consecrated ent entity. 
In fact, what if blessing came from all of us? What if blessing arose from community? I bless you, you bless me, we bless each other and this planet. We're blessings to one another as we journey through life. Unitarian Universalist Jean Harrison Nuyar in the book Fluent in Faith says, when we touch and are touched by one another, touched with openness and trust and with good and healthy intentions, we experience a blessing. We may touch one another with our eyes, with our hands, with our words. And if this comes from a deep place of authenticity and caring, she says, it carries a wondrous power. Now what she's speaking of here is that we can bless one another just by offering each other kindness, concern, and love. We can bless one another through thoughtful deeds and encouraging words, through loving touch or being truly present with one another. We can bless one another through offering a smile or a helping hand or by listening attentively without trying to fix or change what is. And we can bless each other in this community by sharing our gifts and volunteering our time. Blessings, I think, are gifts of attention and love. They are siding with justice and advocating for our earth. They are aligning with equality, truth, and goodness. And in fact, answering the call of love, some of you have our love t-shirts on right there, siding with love is a blessing that we as a faith offer the world and we offer one another in community. And that is huge in this world where so much hate and harshness is present. So why did I call this sermon In It Together? Because being in community together, we get to share so many blessings that don't exist in our individual isolated lives. And as I'm looking out at all of you, I see so many of you who have given and received blessings from this community. A sense of belonging to something larger than ourselves. A place to find hope and meaning. A space to learn to love more and serve the higher good. A co-created community in which everyone can be seen for who they are and share their gifts. A place where we can become more together than we could ever be alone. Am I right? My mindfulness meditation teacher, Tara Brock, shares a story of a man who's lost while he's driving through the country. And so while he tries to read the map, he accidentally drives off the road into a ditch. Now, blessedly, he sees a farmer with an old mule nearby, and he wonders whether he can get some help. And the farmer kind of looks at the mule and goes, yep, old Warwick can do the job. The man figured he had nothing to lose. So the two men and the mule Warwick make their way back to the ditch, and the farmer hitches the mule to the car. And then with a big snap of his reins, he shouts, Pull, Fred! Pull, Jack! 
pull, Ted, pull, Warwick. And the mule pulls the car from the ditch with very little effort. Now the man was amazed. He thanked the farmer and he patted the mule and said, why did you call out all those other names before you called Warwick? And the farmer grins and he says, oh, <laughs> old Warwick is just about blind. So as long as he believes he's part of a team, <laughs> he doesn't mind pulling. So the truth is, my friends, as long as we believe we're part of a team, we can do all kinds of incredible things together. But sometimes our blindness makes us forget that we're part of a team. And that's really the invitation today, a deepening of attention to community and its gifts, to realize we're really in it together. We're in this life with all its challenges together, not isolated and separate. The poet Rumi says, stay together, friends. Don't scatter and sleep. Our friendship is made of being awake together. Which rather reminds me of Jesus' last hours where he calls on the disciples to stay awake with him. My friends, we're stronger and happier when we stay awake together to face all of the world's challenges. We're stronger and more courageous navigating life together. We're stronger when we remember we're held by a larger community that loves and supports us through everything we go through. We're stronger when we act collectively and find hope and resilience together. We're stronger and more effective when we can serve those in need together, right? We're stronger together, my friends. And when we stay awake together, conscious and loving, we can make it through these horribly challenging times together. Can I hear an amen or some kind of affirmation? Because we need each other. Renowned Unitarian minister from the last century, James Luther Adams spoke of the importance of voluntary organizations such as religious community. As someone who observed authoritarian and totalitarian regimes in Nazi Germany and elsewhere, James Luther Adams, or JLA as he's fondly known, spoke of the importance of communities for otherwise isolated people as long as these organizations are prophetic in their response to governments and current affairs. I invite you to really hear those words, prophetic in their response. These voluntary associations, he asserts, require the prophethood of all believers. And that means all of you. This means we share in ministry and collectively address the important issues of our time. So are you with me? Yes. JLA wrote in 1984, the prophethood of all believers entails the obligation to share in the analysis, criticism, transformation of institutions, including the church. Especially now, when we live in a world of terrorism, holocausts, nuclear weaponry, 
mass shootings and indifference to poverty and hunger. So my friends, we have the capacity as a religious organization guided by the values of love and hope shining as beacons before us to make an impact in the world. And it is so important right now. We can be defenders of democracy and advocates for change that we could not affect alone. Can I hear an amen? Now, there's a story about cooking potatoes, and those of you who are cooks among us know this. In their natural state, potatoes are hard and inedible, but when you put them in a pot and you gradually heat up the water, the potatoes start bouncing around and rub up against each other. And eventually, by being cooked together, they rub each other's skins off and soften. Now, not to compare our community to being boiled together, but in some ways we are being boiled by life right now, right? And as we experience all the trials that life is prevent presenting us these days, there's a way in which we get to soften here together in this fellowship. And we get to rub our hard outer shells off that the world forces us to put on so that together we can come into the sanctuary and online space and combine into a delicious mash to tackle this world as one. And in this community, we're softened and combined by the kindness and blessings we offer one another, by the ways we lift each other up, by the ways we can lean on one another in hard times. Just this week as we deal in my family with my husband's cycling accident and shoulder replacement surgery, you all have been here so generously for my family. And we're so grateful and feel so held by this community. And I know you're going to be thinking of Michael tomorrow at 11.45 when he goes into shoulder replacement surgery. And that means the world to us. Thank you. And you're here for each other as some of you navigate cancer, illness, COVID, the loss of your loved ones, or heartbreak, or job losses, or struggles with your children, and so much more. We lean on each other, and we learn from each other. We watch one person volunteering, leading with kindness and care, and it inspires others of us to do the same. We watch someone marching for reproductive rights, for racial justice or sensible gun legislation, and it inspires us to learn more and start advocating for a kinder, more equitable world. We observe someone else in our community becoming vegan and speaking passionately about saving our planet, and it might lead others to explore that option, too. We share our joys and sorrows each week, and we offer our love and prayers and attention to one another. My friends, we lean on each other, and we learn from each other. And we are better for it. I know I am. Anyone else better for being part of this community? We are stronger together. 
By navigating life together, we bless one another, we challenge each other, we inspire one another, and we support each other. We raise our children together. My son just graduated from high school last week, and you've seen him grow up for the last seven years. And we navigate aging together, which is trying for the best of us. We work through challenges in our own lives together as well as accompanying us each other through the world's challenges. We co-create a more loving world together, my friends, and we need that so strongly right now. What a blessing. We receive so many gifts in this community that we could never experience alone. Remember our hand blessing earlier? When we realized that every one of you plays a part in co-creating this community. All of you online, all of you here in person. And Sam asked you what's next for you. Remember that? Maybe you were having some ideas of what you want to explore. Well, I want to close by sharing a story about a fish market in Seattle. The Pikes Place fish market was an ordinary market where fishmongers went to work every day selling rather smelly fish. So it wasn't really a glamorous job, and the work was smelly and relentless, and many people didn't enjoy working there. Then one day, a new owner came along and asked the fishmongers what they might need to make their work more enjoyable. And a young guy spoke up and he said, hey, why don't we become world famous? Fish market, world famous? Okay, so the whole group began to explore what it would take for this fish market to become world famous. What could they do that would enhance their work and make the whole experience of buying fish fun for their customers? Now, the first thing that they discovered was to show up and be really present with each other and their customers, to really talk to them and get to know them not just as customers, but as people, each with stories and lives. And they broke down that sense of separation and created a feeling of community at that fish market that people wanted to come to. And then they realized that if they choose the attitude with which they show up, that they could proactively make it a good day for themselves and for everyone around. So each day, each fishmonger makes a conscious decision about the attitude that they want to engage with at work that day. And that's transformed how they feel about being at work. And next, one of the young men decided, rather than walking around long tables to bring people their fish, that they would play with their work. And they began tossing the fish across the tables from one fishmonger to another, and they brought a sense of fun and play into what they were doing. And soon they became world famous for fish flying across the counters. And all the employees started to have so much fun at work that there was this constant atmosphere of laughter and delight in the place. Their work had become play. And soon, they were even being hired by other businesses to teach their workers what they'd discovered. And they've transformed cultures in schools and businesses around the nation. In fact, when I shared this story with my son, he mentioned that the zoo where he works has trained in this methodology. 
And the last part of what they learned was to make someone's day. Make someone's day by injecting a good attitude as well as fun and presence in their work. So they were constantly making someone's day. So I ask you, my beloveds, what does it mean for you to show up in this community to be truly present and a blessing to others? What would it mean for you to choose your attitude? How might your attitude change the way things unfold? In fact, what attitude do you want to choose for our upcoming congregational meeting so we can have as much fun as possible while we do the work of this congregation? And what are some ways you can make a person's day? And finally, my friends, what are your favorite ways to play that you might bring to this community? Play, enjoy the balloons, enjoy. And notice what's on the balloons. Fish, there are fish on the balloons. <laughs> now don't you online people wish you'd come in person if you could? Because <laughs> we are having crazy amounts of fun here. <laughs> All right, enough fun people. <laughs> But let's keep the balloons for the annual meeting. <laughs> My beloveds, I invite you to fully invest yourself in this community. Explore new parts of yourselves. Try something novel. Volunteer in a different space. Serve those in need. And challenge yourself to be the best version of you you can be. We're incredibly blessed, aren't we, to share in this conscious, evolving, loving, and fun community. So let's show up. Let's choose our attitude. Let's make someone's day. And always, let's play together. Let's never take these blessings for granted. And let's keep working together to lift up our world and create a more beautiful world that we all dream about together. My beloveds, we're in this together. May it be so. Amen. <laughs>